0: Back on -on one-on-one, Emmanuel Barbari alongside Jimmy Sullivan. Pleased to welcome in John Jastrzemski. You hear him weeknights on WFAN, Odds on Sports, JJ After Dark. You see him on SNY. JJ, thanks for a couple of minutes. Thanks for being here.
1: I appreciate that kind introduction. I mean, that's an absolute thing of beauty. My pleasure, fellas. It's always good to be on with a couple of hardworking Fordham Rams. So let's have some fun here. What do you guys got?
0: Well, JJ, needed to start with the Yankees for you. It's it's just amazing that we're into spring training. Fans in the stands back in New York. So you get the baseball vibes rolling. How satisfied are you with the Yankee picture coming off the offseason, entering spring training?
1: I'm content. I think that's the best way to look at it. I didn't expect the Yankees to go and spend, you know, 400 or $500 million this offseason. I think anybody who was of that mindset, wasn't paying attention, not only because of the pandemic, but you know with the Yankees, when it comes to free agents, they usually target a certain amount of guys. And there are some winners where they're not going to be as proactive. A year ago, they just gave Garrett Cole, what, nine years, 300-plus million dollars. They knew they had to re-sign DJ LeMayu, who's the heart and soul of the team. I can tweak a move here or a move there, but for the most part, they added to their starting rotation, their bullpen is better than it was, and they made sure D.J. LeMayu is back. It's not the knock-your-socks-off type of offseason, but I don't know how you can go into this year and try to make the case that anybody in the American League is better.
2: J.J., you talked about the Yankees offseason, and you said you're content with the whole picture. I think for a lot of fans, the biggest area of need was the starting rotation. They go out, they get Jamison Taillon from the Pirates, They signed Corey Kluber in free agency who basically didn't pitch last year. Do you think those additions, in addition to what they have on the roster right now, is enough to address the issues that they had in that starting rotation last season?
1: That's a million-dollar question. I (laughs) wish I had an answer for you because I have no idea. I have no idea what to expect out of Corey Kluber. You basically haven't seen him in two years. The Yankees swear by him. I know he's tight with Cressy, who's the strength and conditioning guy. So the Yankees feel like they have a leg up with Corey Kluber. Well, they better be right about that. Jamison Tyon is a guy that I really like. I think his stuff is terrific. I think the Yankees were able to buy low. Here's the problem. The Yankees have gone down this road a lot with these sort of high upside type of pitchers. Think James Paxton. Think Javi Vasquez. Think Michael Pineda, Sonny Gray. I, I don't want to keep lecturing you guys on this, but the point I'm trying to make is Brian Cashman doesn't have a great track record when it comes to adding starting pitchers who were kind of in that like mid tier. He just doesn't have it. He'll get a Garrett Cole, he'll get a CC Sabathia, but that mid tier guy usually flops. But then you have Garcia, the return of Luis Severino who knows what you're getting out of Domingo Herman? Here's what I like about what the Yankees did, though, guys. They took a bunch of dudes. They got about seven, eight guys. They said, all right, we need about four of these guys to be good. Can four of them, or maybe three of them, assuming Cole is a given, go and give you enough innings and complement a loaded lineup that's going to score a ton of runs in the regular season and a bullpen that, to me, is much deeper than it was last year?
0: John Jastrzemski with us here on One on One. I'm happy you mentioned Severino because when you start to map out in that crystal ball what a potential playoff rotation would look like. And that's, of course, extremely hard to do given the depth and the question marks and the rotation. When you look into that crystal ball, who's that number two slotting behind Cole if we, let's say, fast forwarded to October?
1: Wow, man. That is a... Wonderful question, and one that I don't have an answer for right now, because I think the Yankees want it to be Corey Kluber. I really do. I think the Yankees are hoping and banking on the fact that they're going to get 2014 to 2018 Corey Kluber at some point, even if they're going to have to manage his innings and he's not going to give them, you know, 180 or 190. I think they made that move for the postseason. Now, Severino could be that guy, but – Who knows coming off of Tommy John surgery? You know, we saw Matt Harvey in 15 really do a good job bouncing back and hitting the ground running. Other guys, though, it might take them a year to really find their footing. So I think we'll see Severino, how he's going to pitch, what he's going to look like. Who knows? And here's the other thing with Luis. His playoff track record, guys, is not very good. I mean, if you look at 2017, not good. 2018 against the Red Sox. I remember being at the Ocean Casino in Atlantic City. I basically took money and flushed it down the toilet that night, betting on the Yankees against Boston. And even in 2019 or 2020, I should say, whatever the last year Severino was in the playoffs, 2019, he had that so-so start against the Astros and only went like four-plus innings against the Minnesota Twins. Not like you're getting Madison Bumgarner coming out and answering all of these playoff questions. Severino's got a lot to prove come October.
2: And, and J.J., another move that the Yankees made recently was the re-signing of Brett Gardner. And I know you're a big Brett Gardner guy. How happy were you to see that he'll be back in pinstripes for at least one more year?
1: You know, it's funny, Jim. I get so many tweets and sometimes irrational calls from Yankee fans upset about the fact that, like, Brett Gardner is back on the team, and it blows my mind. I got to be perfectly honest. It blows my mind because the idea of bringing Brett Gardner back is not like the idea of making him an everyday player. It's not like I'm rooting on Brett Gardner to get 550 at bats for the Yankees. If that happens, fellas, something went terribly wrong for the Yankees this year, and it means either Aaron Hicks or Aaron Judge again. Missed a significant amount of time. They need a backup center fielder. They need lefty bats. They need a guy who's a pretty darn good defender. Brett Gardner checks all those boxes. He is a great leader within the Yankee clubhouse. The team loves him. And they brought him back for minimal money. Like, there's, there's no reason anybody should be bellyaching about that signing. But let's make it perfectly clear. Quinn Frazier is earned his key. Clint Frazier has earned his place. He's the everyday left fielder on this team. So let's let's get that out in the open. That said, bring it back Gardner as the team's fourth outfielder. Absolute no-brainer.
0: JJ, this year five of what you could call this Yankee core that was assembled mid-2016. 2017, they had the greater-than-expectations type run, and then they've had – Basically, World Series or bust expectations since 2018. So being that it's year five and most of the band is back together, the rest of the American League got worse while they – you could argue the Yankees got better. Is this a make-or-break year for Aaron Boone? I think so, Manny. I think
1: they have to go to the World Series this year. They have to go to the World Series. You want to tell me they lose to the Dodgers? You want to tell me they lose to the Padres, the Braves? You know what? I could probably stomach that. There is no excuse for the Yankees to be sitting at home when some other team in the American League is playing in the World Series. And I don't want to hear about Chicago. They're better. They're probably the Yankees' biggest threat. Toronto is not there yet. They're going to be tough in the regular season. They don't have any starting pitching that scares me. Their bullpen's not as good as the Yankees. Tampa, on the other hand, got worse. You take away Charlie Morton, a Yankee killer. You take away Blake Snell. Now... I don't underestimate the Rays. They're always a team that's going to be in the mix. But if the Yankees are losing to one of these teams in the playoffs, how do you come back and say to your fans, it's okay. We're going to get them next year. That doesn't work in New York City, guys. Like, you know, they've done that the last couple of years. And I don't want to sound like irrational because I'm not. I, I, I have defended the organization. I preach patience. You know, I wanted them to get more left-handed this offseason, but I heard Brian Cashman, you know, he said, look, Luke Voigt, who is a guy that honestly I would have looked to move. I thought it was the perfect sell-high point with Luke Voigt. Cash's point was, look, I'm not going to go and get a first baseman whose half is good just because he's left-handed. I get all that. But if you lose in the playoffs again, don't you have to question what's going on where – you kind of have peaked this group, this core. That goes for everybody, players, the manager, the general manager. I think everybody's got to be on notice. And I think the team would have to look drastically different going into next year if they don't get to the world series.
2: And you're talking about those expectations. And I think all of us here agree that they're the favorites in the American league, if anything, almost by default, but with, the way they've kind of conducted business over the last couple of years, they haven't made, you know, big moves at the trade deadline when they had those opportunities. They didn't make any huge moves necessarily in this off season, although they did re-sign DJ LeMahieu. Do you think the organization itself in the front office has done enough to justify, you know, having those huge expectations? Because obviously they're going to go into this season, basically world series or bust. But do you think that, Brian Cashman, the front office the organization, has done enough to justify going to Aaron Boone and say, look, this year, it's put up or shut up. Yeah,
1: I do. I mean, I do. Number one, I look at the American League. Teams got worse. The Yankees, for the most part, status quo. And I don't need to go and get a $300 million free agent every year. You know, like, they went and signed Garrett Cole to a nine-year record-breaking contract. Now, had there been moments where you can get on the Yankee brass for maybe not going that extra mile? Yeah, I I think that you can. I I think there are instances where, you know, they haven't brought in player X or they haven't made a run at player Y. But, like, this offseason, who – I ask you guys this. Aside from Michael Brantley, who to me would have fit the Yankees perfectly, lefty bat, puts the bat on the ball, you know, maybe you could have moved Quinn Frazier in a deal – who is the guy that you would have gone and signed? Like Trevor Bauer? There was, there was no, but the Yankees were never signing Trevor Bauer. He and Garrett Cole can't stand one another. They were not going to bring that dynamic into the Yankee clubhouse. So you got Bauer, who is on God knows what wavelength, and Garrett Cole, who basically is this, like, go-getter, no-nonsense bulldog. You're going to tell your $300 million man, nine-year contract, and guess what? We're bringing in a guy that you couldn't stand when you picture him at uh, UCLA? That was not going to happen. Like, and I'm okay with the Yankees not getting Trevor Bauer. He in New York would have been a disaster here. So I I just don't know what move specifically here this offseason you guys wanted to see.
0: JJ, wrapping up here, it's supposed to be a fun summer of baseball in New York. The Mets really went for it this offseason, fell short of a couple of the marquee acquisitions that fans probably hoped they would have made. When you look at this Mets offseason, adding Francisco Lindor, adding James McCann, adding Carlos Carrasco to the rotation, and adding some bullpen depth as well, is this a bust offseason for you or is it a boom offseason for you?
1: Yeah, I think some Mets fans are taking, you know, the expectations of Steve Cohen coming in and they're assuming that they're going to have a $500 million payroll overnight. (laughs) I'm sorry, it it doesn't work that way. He made that perfectly clear when he was introduced to the media and. He told you three to five years, and that's fair. Listen, you're not going to slap your finger and take a losing team all the way to the World Championship just by spending money alone. They're a much better team. They got a top 15 player in the sport in Lindor. They got a number two starting pitcher, I believe, in Carlos Carrasco. The Penn, they could have gotten another move. You know, that to me is where I'll get on the Mets. Maybe they should have been more proactive. Brett Hand, Liam Hendricks. You know, they brought in Trevor May. They brought in Aaron Luke. But they're better in the bullpen. And their expectation this year is to be in the postseason. They should be a playoff team. They should win North the 90 games. They should challenge the Atlanta Braves to the division. It's a good offseason for the Mets. Hey, listen, I give them a B plus, A minus. I don't know about you guys at Fordham. I was A-OK okay at Syracuse getting handed an A minus <laughs> or a B plus. I was like, let's go. This is good enough for me. So the Mets will be a better team. And the Mets will be a playoff team. But this was not going to be a championship contender overnight. So there's still some work to do.
2: Certainly good enough for me as well. And I think for all the unrealistic expectations that Mets fans had about getting this guy and that guy and the other, I think one realistic expectation a lot of fans do have is extending Francisco Lindor and keeping him in Queens for a long time. How important do you think that is not just to have a player of his talent, but also for the... Steve Cohen regime to be able to not only make that move for Francisco Lindor, but be able to extend him and keep him in Queens for a long time, however many years that may be.
1: I guarantee that Francisco Lindor signs a long-term contract with the Mets. Guarantee. The only way it doesn't happen is if Francisco Lindor stinks this year, and all of a sudden your thoughts and what you believe in him as a player has dramatically changed. If he's the guy he was with the Cleveland Indians, which I think all three of us can assume at this point, the Mets are going to give him eight or nine years. They're going to pay him a boatload of money, and he is going to be the new face of the franchise. You know, DeGrom is the best player on the team, but he's a pitcher. He only is going to go out there one out of every five days. Lindor's that guy that, you know, you see him at shortstop. He should be leading off for this team. Any Met fan who thinks, oh, we're not going to sign this guy. We can't afford this guy. That is where you have to launch, period. He's going to be a Met.
0: JJ, real quick, you're a big sports betting guy. I have this over-under for the Yankees this year for you. Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge over-under 200 games played.
1: Oh, wow. I really want to say over, but I have no reason to believe, Manny that both of those guys are playing 100-plus games. I'm sorry, until I actually see it. And Stanton, two years ago, basically didn't play the entire year. Judge missed two months. You figure one of them will actually play maybe 120, 130 games. Both of them, no chance. I'm taking the under. When in doubt with those two guys, roll with the under.
0: JJ, always appreciate the insight. Should be a fun season ahead. And all the best to you at the Fan and Beyond. Thanks, guys, JJ.
1: appreciate it. Anytime. You know where to find me. Thanks, guys.